You're listening to the official Dietitian Connection podcast. This podcast gives you access to the most influential and successful experts in the dietetic profession. This podcast will inspire you, it will challenge you, and it will empower you to become a nutrition leader and realize your dreams. Welcome to another episode of the Dietetic Leader Series, featuring some of the most renowned dietitians. We'll explore their experiences and discover how collaboration, dreaming big, and seizing every opportunity are key ingredients to success in this profession. A big hello to all of our listeners and welcome to another great episode of the Dietitian Connection podcast. I'm your host, Kate Agnew, and I'm a student dietitian at the University of Queensland. Today's special guest is Professor Liz Eisenring, who is an advanced accredited practicing dietitian and the program lead for the Master of Nutrition and Dietetics at Bond University on the Gold Coast. Liz is internationally recognized in the areas of oncology nutrition, nutrition in older adults, nutrition screening and assessment. She is regularly invited to speak at conferences around the world and has authored and or co-authored over 100 articles and abstracts. Liz has also led the development and contributed to several sets of Australian and international evidence-based guidelines for improving nutrition care. In 2009, she completed an NHMRC Australian Clinical Training Fellowship investigating the nutritional management of older adults, and this was at Flinders University Adelaide and the Queensland University of Technology in Brisbane. In the past, Liz worked as Senior Lecturer in the Master of Dietetic Studies at the University of Queensland in Brisbane. Welcome to the Dietitian Connection podcast, Liz, and thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure to be here. Yes, it's wonderful to have you on the show. So Liz, I've already given the listeners a bit of a synopsis of your background and career path, and I know that you are an internationally recognized dietetic researcher, as well as a PhD student supervisor. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what sparked your interest in research. Um, I've been interested in research, I guess, all the way along. However, my heart was already always set on being a clinical dietitian, which I absolutely loved. I think I realised very early on, though, that dietetics being a new profession, we actually don't have a huge evidence base in a lot of areas. So I can remember as a new grad being, you know, incredibly stunned when I made some suggestions to uh, oncologists on the ward and they were sounding fairly positive, but they said, sure, can you just show me that the papers and the evidence to back that up? So, of course, I being the keen new grad I was, said absolutely, went off um, and started searching for for the information. Uh, The more I delved into it, though, I realised it was actually more professional opinion. Um, You know, I spoke to my manager to see if I was doing something wrong. And then I guess that just exposed there was actually very little evidence to inform practice in that area. So I I was very fortunate that I had um, several key uh, mentors and supervisors who were very supportive and proactive in encouraging Um, dietitians to be involved in research. So really, I just started on very small quality projects um, and found that very satisfying. And so eventually the opportunity to do a PhD uh, in an area that I was already working in, which was um, to improve the quality of life and nutrition of uh, head and neck cancer patients undergoing radiotherapy. So it just seemed like a really nice fit and a really good time of my life to undergoing future research. And since then, um, I've never looked back. So Liz, could you tell us a little bit about your current roles and what a typical work day looks like for you? 
I'm currently head of the Master of Nutrition and Dietetics program at Bond University. We've been going for almost two years now. It's a very new program. So obviously, there's been uh, lots of work in terms of pulling it together. So a typical day for me involves, um, you know, starting off uh, with the family, trying to do uh, some exercise before work. And then I get in, I guess, reasonably early to work. And um, it's a mixture of teaching, uh, supervising students. I'm very fortunate to have um, you know, a handful of really good uh, PhD candidates and we're all working together on different projects. Most of them are around improving the nutrition for patients with cancer and also older adults is one of my other uh, special interest areas. So it's pretty fluid. It, it depends on the day in terms of if it's a teaching day or more of a research day. As in a program, I also have a lot of professional and administrator type uh, responsibilities where I do a lot of meetings with the dean and we also have medicine and physiotherapy and sports and exercise science in our faculty. So there's a lot of meetings with uh, heads from the other disciplines where we really work together to see how we can uh, improve the way that we do business and also how we can try and improve the opportunity for interprofessional education we're very fortunate with the new program that we can look to existing programs, uh, including at Bond, and um, be inspired by what they do well and try and work with that. So, for example, uh, medicine has a very sophisticated uh, OSCE and high-fidelity simulation program where they use mock hospital wards and online hospitals, uh, virtual hospitals via iPads, etc. And we've been very fortunate to tap into some of those uh, technologies and utilize them for our nutrition and dietetic students, but also we're moving towards the stage of actually doing a true interprofessional high fidelity simulations where on the on the uh, mock hospital ward, you know, we'll have students from all the different disciplines, including nursing and, and head of department. So we'll actually be able to recreate, you know, the, the actual hospital situation, which I think is a wonderful experience and base before the students actually start their um, internships. Yeah, that sounds very interesting, Liz. Thank you so much for sharing that. So what do you find most rewarding within your current roles? Uh, so what's most enjoyable in my current role is absolutely uh, mentoring and coaching students and staff. And I guess in, in my new role, there is a lot more uh, administration I guess, than I've ever had to do previously. And while I recognise that's important and, and some parts of it are quite rewarding, particularly when they result in outcomes, what I really look forward to and what I get a lot of satisfaction from is actually reviewing and working with the students. So, for example, with the PhD students, reading papers, nutting out issues to help with the data collection, uh, particularly reviewing papers. I, I find I really look forward to doing that. I call that my fun jobs. So I think I probably, I know the PhD uh, students in, enjoy it and say that I probably have one of the quickest turnaround times <laughs> compared with other supervisors because I really enjoy that and I, I try and do that quickly. Uh, the other aspect I mentioned in terms of like the mentoring or coaching, I'm a firm believer in that you know, everyone needs to work to their strengths. And now in my current role, I'm very fortunate that, you know, we work as a team, we've we've built the team. And, and so we're very fortunate that we can identify one another's strengths and, and work to that. So, you know, if I had to put down what I really enjoy, uh, it's coaching and mentoring uh, my staff and students, and particularly, I guess, uh, reviewing research papers. Those are the highlights of my day. 
So Liz, I was wondering if we could talk a little bit more about the role of mentorship and why do you think it is so important in our profession? It's really important for the dietetics profession. I was very fortunate in that I think this message was always clearly communicated uh, to us by leaders in the profession, such as, you know, Professor Sandra Capra. So even from being a dietetics student, you know, getting close to 20 years ago now, it was always drummed into us. I think then I've been very fortunate that I've had uh, several excellent um, mentors from the dietetics profession that have really helped me grow and take on different opportunities within the dietetics profession. As I'm, you know, taking on more and more leadership type roles, I'm actually really been inspired to myself personally take on mentors from different areas, so outside of dietetics. So it might be uh, within the health field, but even outside in terms of business. And so I guess because I've been very fortunate myself to have excellent mentors, I definitely can appreciate the value of good mentoring. And I think it's also really important to give back. So I guess as part of that process, um, I really enjoy uh, mentoring like I said, a whole range of, of um, staff and students. And we encourage all our students to, to have several good mentors. Like I said, a couple within the dietetics profession, but I actually think you can gain a lot from other professions as well outside of dietetics. There's some great points there, Liz. So could you tell us about what challenges you have been faced with and how you've overcome them? There have always been challenges and I think regardless of what you do, there are challenges. I think the key thing is working to your strengths, being confident in your skill set and what you bring to your workplace, as well as working with others to help address those challenges. So I guess in the in the early days, the you know, the challenges as a new grad were you know, learning, feeling that I needed to to know everything. Um, to be a good dietitian. And I think it's definitely true that the more you then progress and the more you take on, that you realise the more you don't know. <laughs> um, and it, it just widens up things. So certainly you learn a lot more of the theory um, and the evidence base. But, you know, you then start to learn how practice and experience can help inform things as well, as well as debating things from different professions. I think early on, I found it, I guess, difficult when challenged from people from other professions. That's why I guess the value of research and being very familiar with being able to critique the evidence, be familiar with papers uh, in that area, really then uh, helps add to those robust discussions with the leaders in the other disciplines. And in fact, I've got many good ongoing research collaborations that at the beginning probably started off you know, as more sort of challenging discussions. But then I think because, you know, the oncologists, surgeons, etc., were aware that I would look into things and uh, was familiar with the evidence that, you know, we've all come on now and become uh, research collaborators, uh, many of which have lasted for over 15 years. So I'm particularly proud of those. In terms of challenges uh, nowadays, my biggest challenge, I think, is being able to have enough time to do the key areas. If I could, I would spend all my time probably just on research and teaching and mentoring, but there are a whole range of other things that are required in my current position, including quite a lot of administration, quite a lot of meeting attendance and quite a lot of logistics. So trying to manage that and still be effective, I think are probably um, (laughs) my biggest challenges at the moment. So given that you are an international dietetic leader, what do you do to ensure you continue to grow and develop as a leader? 
So I'm definitely a big believer in being a lifelong learner and I love investigating, exploring how um, people's different sort of personalities and experiences can lead to, to strengths. So in, in a lot of those, uh, you know, personality assessments, et cetera, um, the, the big criteria that come out for me is, you know, sense of curiosity, lifelong learner, uh, liking to, um, you know, relating well uh, with others, etc. So I definitely take that to heart and for me it's about always never being comfortable in a particular area I guess always looking to see how we can improve things or do things slightly differently and working I think this is something which has taken me a little while to realize but I think absolutely working with the best people for a particular project so in some cases you know some of our uh, aged care work um, the dietitians are not necessarily the key people. The, um, of course, the aged care residents, the manager of facilities, nursing, etc., um, might be the key people. So, bringing in um, into our research collaborations leaders in a particular area, and uh, you know, not be afraid to say where you feel your strengths are, but likewise identify those that have the strengths that you're looking for and that maybe you or your team don't have and so that you have a much stronger team and therefore a much stronger project uh, as a result. So I absolutely encourage uh, ongoing reading, ongoing networking and not being afraid to seek mentors. Um, I, I know a lot of the time, you know, people will say to me, oh, I'd never think of asking such and such to be a mentor. But often the people in very senior positions have had amazing mentors themselves and actually really value being able to pass that on. So I, I would take a wish list of who you'd like to engage with and not be afraid um, to get in touch. And even if they don't have the time to be a one-on-one -on -one mentor, they might be happy to catch up with with you for you know a coffee now and again and suggest a couple of people who would be excellent mentors yeah I loved your point about being a lifelong learner I think that's a fantastic way to look at it so we've talked a little bit about this but what do you think are the key attributes of a great leader key attributes for a great leader I think do vary depending on the person and so I've known wonderful leaders that all have very different characteristics so if I had to distill it down for me I think the characteristics of a great leader is one is passion and enthusiasm having that vision and being able to articulate it so that you know others are of the team are getting behind to follow that vision Authenticity, I think, is incredibly important. You need to be able to trust and, um, you know, believe that um, the leader has your best interest in heart. And, um, and thirdly, I think having a genuine interest in how members of the team can contribute to that overall vision. So, like I said, if I had to distill it, I think it's uh, enthusiasm, it is authenticity, and it's, uh, you know, genuine caring for the whole team. And so, you know, when people think of leaders, I think they tend to think of extroverted, you know, very strong characteristics. But like I said, I've known amazing leaders that have all had very different personalities. And, you know, some of the most effective leaders actually might not be so in your face or out there or, you know, naturally extroverted, but have produced amazing outcomes and have a very uh, strong team uh, behind them. So I think that, you know, the biggest learnings for me are 
you know, over, over time, you work with people who you're interested in working with, collaborating with those who genuinely add to projects and not being afraid to, to take on new challenges. I think it's all about uh, personal growth and that, you know, if you can reflect and identify your key strengths and do things that you enjoy, I think that's the key to success. I think often we tend to be um, overly concerned about where the jobs are as opposed to working it the other way around. If you've got the passion, you're working with your strengths, you're create job opportunities. Yeah, some really great points there, Liz. For the listeners who would like to learn from you, what habits do you have that contribute to your success as a teacher and a researcher? I guess my biggest strengths and habits are, I think, um, I tend to be a morning person. So I do try and get out some of the hardest bits and the hardest jobs over and done in the morning. Like I said, I'm lucky that I refer to my fun jobs or the things that I enjoy are actually reviewing papers and reviewing my students' work. Um, so I try and do a bit of that every day. Um, habits that are probably not overly effective, although still manage to result in fairly decent outcomes and productivity, is that I, I think probably like a, a lot of people, um, you know, at my stage of life, I do take on too much. So, uh, for me, this year, I'm trying to focus and focus on fewer projects rather than more. I feel incredibly proud that, you know, my the, the staff that I work with and also PhD students I've been fortunate to, to work with have all, uh, you know, achieved a lot of uh, international success, publication success, uh, presenting at international conferences, etc. And I think that's due to a few things. One is that, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to work with a lot of talented people. So, I think they would do well regardless of what environment they were in. However, I would like to think that I've helped um, in some way in that, I guess it comes down to those things that I mentioned before. You know, we work on areas that I'm genuinely very interested about. I, To me, it's like a hobby. I'd be reading about, you know, how to improve nutrition and different diseases as a, as a hobby anyway. I also think it's that mentoring, it's wanting to help people learn and and recognize their strengths as opposed to, I guess, you know, ticking off the key boxes of a PhD, which is all about research. For me, it's also about uh, personal growth, you know, communication, presentation, all those things which often come under the, the mentoring and the co coaching role. I also love the fact that I've, you know, continued to have uh, good research collaborations even after my PhD students have completed their PhD. So that's genuinely a, a pretty good sign that things are working well. And what I really look forward to see, I might just highlight this because this, this was a really sort of full circle moment for me. Um, in 2004, I was lucky enough to be awarded the Young Investigator for an international cancer conference called MASK. And a couple of years ago, one of my PhD students was then also awarded that same award. So that was so lovely to see from, you know, me being such a young, excited uh, researcher to then going on to, to completing my PhD. PhD, mentoring others and then then going on to supervising other PhD students who are now going on to do award winning awards and obviously going on to supervise their own students. So seeing that full cycle uh, is incredibly rewarding. And I hear your PhD students have won numerous awards, so that's wonderful. And I really liked your morning plan, so I'm going to have to take that idea from you and use it to try and increase the productivity of my days. <laughs> Thank you. I try to do it. It's hard to always fit in, but I do try and do it. I think even if you can get one solid hour done before you start getting interrupted with meetings, it, it can be, it all adds up over time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'll definitely give it a shot and hopefully others will as well. 
So to finish this episode off, Liz, I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about what you think the future opportunities for dietitians will be. I think there's definitely some key growth areas. So aged care is one of those. Um, Also providing appropriate uh, nutrition care to those in the community. So if we look forward with the implementation of the national disability services, etc., I think um, there's a lot of opportunities for uh, dietitians to, to help people uh, in the community as well as aged care and rehabilitation. Other areas that I think will continue to grow are in the corporate wellness type sphere. Certainly uh, the internet and social media, I think, presents... Uh, certainly presents challenges, but I think it also presents a lot of opportunities. And I think in terms of having some good internet and um, apps that have actually been ideally developed by dietitians, but if not, then at the very least are reviewed. I think there's huge amount of opportunities on that. And at the moment, I, I know several dietitians have done well, but I really think compared with other people working in the nutrition space, that there's still a lot of opportunities. And I think we need to be very proud of our training, our scientific underpinning, and also, though with that, is improve in terms of communication and marketing skills so that the general public and the community can well and truly understand what dietitians have to offer. It's interesting, you know, the more I chat with different people, there still is a bit of a misconception, I think, and, a, you know, not even a well-understood role of the dietitian, even amongst some of our colleagues in different health professions. So I think a lot of work around that and actually highlighting exactly the difference that a dietitian can make um, for your client or patient uh, is very important. So if I had to label what I think are the the key growth areas for, for job opportunities, I would say aged care, rehab, as well as providing nutrition care and support in the home. I also think there's a um, a lot more opportunities in food service and having the specialised skills of a dietitian are starting to get uh, recognised and embraced. Certainly in the corporate wellness and the the internet, you know, providing uh, support for for weight management and chronic disease. Um, so I think it looks it's looking very exciting. And and one final one is of course you know the air around the nutrigenomics. People are playing in that space. It's not always evidence based. So I think ensuring that we have you know the evidence and some personalised tailored recommendations and working with others uh, who are already in that space is probably very important. I also think being willing to take on new challenges and also not being afraid to know and promote uh, your strengths and skills because I guess the more that I sort of progressed in my own career, you know, you, you see particularly other professions I think tend to do it much better than dietetics and I think we can learn from them and, you know, we should be aware of our skill sets and our strengths and not be afraid to promote them because the, the issue is others with less training, less skills and less to add but are better at promoting Uh, creating opportunities and work, but not necessarily always helping people. Um, So I think at the end of the day, we've got to have the skills, but then not be afraid to use them and to promote promote our strengths and and work with others so that at the end of the day, we are actually working to improve the the health and nutrition um, of our community and patients. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks so much, Liz. I think that's been a real highlight of this conversation. And it's always really interesting to get different dietetic leaders' opinions on that topic. 
And for all of our listeners, we'll have some professional links regarding Liz's work um, available on our show notes, as well as the rest of her extensive biography if you want to read a little bit more about her. So that will be available at dietitianconnection.com slash podcasts. Liz, I'd just like to say thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your passion for research and dietetics, the secrets to your leadership success, and also offering some really key advice to how we can grow and develop as leaders and also looking into the future. So once again, thank you so much. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Also, a big thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, could you please leave a review for us as well as pass this podcast on to your colleagues and friends. And also make sure that you are subscribed to the Dietitian Connection podcast so that you can automatically download the new episode each week and so that you don't miss out. Thanks again. And we'll see you next time for another fantastic episode of the Dietitian Connection podcast. 